So, always in season. For the past few weeks, we've looked forward to the birth of our Savior. We've taken a somewhat different look at this Advent season. We started the first week by talking about the importance of giving thanks in all seasons and for all reasons. We talked about giving thanks in times of struggle as well as in times of abundance. We talked about giving thanks for the unanswered prayers, for the answered risky prayers, and for our seemingly broken roads. The second week of Advent, we talked about the coming of Christ and also his second coming as it is foretold by Scripture. And we asked the question, will you be ready? Will I? Last week, we talked about Jesus' question to the disciples. He said, who do you say I am? We talked about why it's important and how it's important to what you answer. And that your answer it doesn't change the fact of who he is at all. Jesus is the Savior. He has come for us. And whether we say he is that or not, it doesn't affect the reality of that. But it does allow him to be that to you. It allows him to be your Savior, your caregiver, your shepherd, your guide. And just as importantly, it, we talked about who we are because of who he is. We are children of God. And because of who he is, we are saved, we are redeemed, we have, we have the hope of an eternity. So as we recognize this third week of the Advent season, I want to talk about this notion of season, particularly this idea of a Christmas season. And see if you can believe this. This week we had a meeting at work to discuss the schedule of the removal of the Christmas decorations from the building and to put them in storage. We actually had a meeting about this. And in case you're curious, according to the corporate world that I live in Monday through Friday, Christmas officially ends promptly at 8 a.m. on Thursday, December 27th. Unless there's a cancellation, then we can end Christmas a day early. And it just sounds silly, and I kind of say that tongue-in-cheek. But, but if we're defining Thanksgiving, if we're defining Christmas and even Easter as seasons, aren't we essentially making a defined period with a specific start and end time? I'm convinced that the practice of Thanksgiving and the gifts of Christmas and Easter were not designed by God to simply promote just a few weeks of Christian focus each year. Now you know me. I make no claims to know anything about gardening or growing anything in general. So I am in awe of many of you who produce such amazing looking lawns and flowers and gardens. And as a result, I find myself asking ignorant questions from time to time. So for example, last Sunday after service, I was visiting with Dan and Erlene and that's what they're doing in their free time now that the growing season's over. See the humor in that? <laughs> I was surprised by the revelation that there was no off-season for those of you who, who work outside and, and take care of land and garden. They're still managing plants that remain in the ground, cataloging and already planning and starting for work that I would consider to be next season. But in truth, it seemed like there was no off-season. To me, it sounded more like there was just regular changes and cycles of this ongoing process of growth. Does that sound like a fair description to those of you who, who take care of things that, other than grass? So I had started working on this concept of this message a few weeks ago, and as I sat and enjoyed some chili and dessert last Sunday and visited, I saw this topic of seasons in a slightly different way. Dan and Erlene, I, I thank you, they aren't here, but I thank them for educating me a little bit on gardening. And here's what else I gathered from what I learned. We gather here weekly to worship God. We gather to take encouragement from him. We enjoy fellowship and we lift each other up in prayer. And during the season of Advent, we expectantly wait and prepare for the nativity, and that's Christ's birth. In fact, the word Advent means coming. We talked about 
this a little more in depth a few weeks ago. Advent is a season. It starts four weeks before Christmas and will end with the birth of our Savior because the season of waiting will be over. Our Savior has come. What I want to talk about this morning is God's gift of Christmas and how it extends beyond the confines of any so-called season. So let's start by looking at what Scripture says on the topic. The book of Matthew 121. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Christmas brings the gift of salvation. John 3.16, we know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, Christmas brings the gift of everlasting life, which is a life with him in heaven. From Matthew 1.23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they should call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So you see, Christmas brings the gift of a personal relationship with God through Christ Jesus. And in 2 Corinthians, Apostle Paul writes, Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. None of these gifts were given with any regard for time limit or expiration date. They extend beyond a season, beyond Christmas season. You know, I began the Thanksgiving message with this statement. During this time of year in particular, we seem to jump quickly to the next event, the next activity, and even the next holiday. I joked about how the retail season starts ridiculously early when I suggested that if you were to ask Walmart, Christmas started in September, along with Halloween, and that I was told that Hobby Lobby had pre-lit trees on display as early as August. On that Sunday, Thanksgiving had ended just a few days before, and the world was seemingly already tied up in Christmas. The Thanksgiving holiday hadn't enjoyed a very long season of recognition or celebration. With Christmas just over a week away and the culmination of all this festivity rapidly approaching, on December 26, will we be quickly transitioning to the next big thing, or at least out of this one? Friends, God loves you. His compassion towards you and his desire to have a relationship with you does not end on Christmas Day or the day after or the day after that. No, in actuality, it actually begins then. It begins on Christmas with this gift and continues throughout the year and for all time. It never ends. Scripture tells us the Lord's unfailing love and mercy still continue, fresh as the morning, as sure as a sunrise. You know, that's from the book of Lamentations, which is an Old Testament scripture. So I ask you, how much more does God love us now that we have a reconciled relationship an atonement for our sins, and a new covenant through the gift of his Son. In fact, the Apostle Paul elaborates on this this in the book of Romans. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? And he continues, For I am persuaded, in some translation use the word convinced, For I am convinced, I am persuaded, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created things shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I quote Paul a lot. I love Paul's language. He could have simply said, God will love us always, period. Or perhaps he could have said, nothing can separate us from God's love, and just left it with that. But as if he was 
closing all the loopholes, removing all of the possible doubt with this all-inclusive list of what can't separate us. He does this type of thing a few times in his letters contained in the New Testament. And it's almost as if he was expecting the readers, who were the early church believers in Ephesus and Corinth and Rome and other places throughout the land, it was almost as if he was anticipating them to be a little legalistic. He was not going to allow them room to say things like, Paul said we shouldn't do that, but he didn't mention anything about this. Does anybody here this morning do this from time to time? Maybe look for the little loopholes. You, you find a loophole or ambiguous language to prove your point or justify yourself or maybe deflect an uncomfortable conversation. I remember a friend of mine once trying to set me up on a blind date and is describing this prospective date as having a good sense of humor. All right, red flag. I love sense of humor, but <laughs> says, I, being a typical 18s college student, asked what she looked like. He said, well, I hear she's a heck of a dancer. <laughs> See, Paul wants to remove all doubt and wiggle room from misunderstanding this important message that God's love is forever. God's glorious gifts to us didn't come once over 2,000 years ago to be enjoyed for a season. And the blessings of this gift didn't end the day after the nativity. So as we take a renewed look at this Christmas season from God's eternity perspective, we also must look at ourselves with the same perspective. All of these tidings of joy and good cheer, the extra warmth and pleasantness and the greetings to friends and strangers alike, all of the generosity and selflessness that we seem to muster an extra amount of during this special time, it should be present throughout the year. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it? What a world that would be. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, and he's still with us. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, a king that still reigns today. Silent night, holy night, every minute is a gift from God, and every moment is as holy as we allow the Holy Spirit to make it. O oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. The same stars shine over your head every night. The gift that God has given the world is always in season. It is truly the best gift, and it keeps giving, not only throughout the year, but also throughout eternity. And whether you are a Christian somewhere along your faith walk, or you are an atheist or agnostic, this gift is given to you as well. It's given to all, every one of us. The same God that created us has sent his Son with a purpose and a blessing for every one of us. And this gift, it gets better as the gift of nativity becomes the sacrifice of the crucifixion. And the sacrifice of the crucifixion becomes the power and glory of the resurrection. We'll be talking about these particularly as Easter approaches. But you also hear references to the blessings of all three in the scriptures we read, the hymns we sing, and the messages I share with you every Sunday. Because the story of God's boundless love for you is always in season. The spirit of Christmas, as the world thinks of it, is a spirit of giving. And there's a lot of truth in that, and it's a wonderful message. But as Christians, we know that the other part of the spirit of Christmas is a blessing of receiving the gift that has been given to us. So how does that translate for us? How do we express it, not only for the next nine days, but throughout the year? We do that by we model God's giving with our own. We give generously and joyfully with no expectation of anything but hope for a sincere thank you. But how do we model this second spirit of Christmas, the receiving of a gift, that we are never intended or able to repay. I thought of an example. If you have a car that you really like, but you owe a lot of money on it, which is how it works, you know, you take really good care of it, right? 
you keep it clean, you keep it polished, maintained, you vacuum it out, change the oil actually. And as parents, we pass this notion along to our children, then claim that we're teaching them responsibility. Take care of your stuff, clean your room, keep your things in nice condition. But what happens if we were to pay off that car, or they were, or we were to pay it off for them? They no longer owe money for the car. Would they, would they take better care of it out of respect for the gift they'd received? Or they become a little lax because they don't have any skin in the game anymore? Has anyone done this exercise with their children, with a car, or a house, or a business? I mean, what happened? This, this isn't about calling them out for the shortcomings if, we didn't, if it didn't go well. It's about understanding the added importance of this thing we call stewardship. This gift of eternal life through relationship with God via his son Jesus, it reconciled our debts. It paid them off. Are we taking better care of what we have been blessed with now? Are we becoming a little complacent, maybe a little sloppy and careless with our thanks? Our Savior's life is not a gift that was given by God with his expectation that we would owe and someday repay him. He simply asked for our faith and obedience. My parents to this day still say, all we want is to spend some time with you and maybe a nice card. What a subtle but genuine example of what God hopes to receive from us. Just some quality time and acknowledgement of what he means to us. So friends, as you pack away the decorations and the lights to be stored for the next 10 months, or six if you work at Walmart, please don't pack away the most wonderful signs of Christmas, your joy, peace, generosity, and kindness. Give thanks to God for his glorious gift. With these things, there are no term limits. They are always in season. Let's pray. Father God, you are an amazing God, a generous gifter. To the extent that you gave your son to us, so that he may experience this world and walk among us, that he may teach us by example, that he may someday give his life in reconciliation for our sins and be raised from the dead to show us that you can overcome the world and even death itself. What an awesome gift. And here we are in your house thousands of years later, literally, worshiping you and working to maintain the same relationship that was established then. God, we thank you for this Christmas season, but let it not be a season that ever ends. Let us always be thankful and generous and giving and kind. God, as, as we go throughout the year, let us always remember in our hearts this generous and genuine gift of love from you, and may we show it to all, because this gift was given for them as well. As always, I want to conclude this service with a prayer for this church and the congregation, those gathered here. Thank you for the time they give to worship you on a Sunday morning. God, go with us as we leave this place. And for those who couldn't make it today, we ask you to be with them as well and bless them as well. As always, the, the empty spaces and pews, we ask you to fill this church with people hungry for your word. Help us to be an inviting and welcoming congregation of people that seek you and encourage one another. In your name I pray, amen. Amen.